Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Everybody's working. With that time, Oh, God. Oh, the show. Oh, no. The show's supposed to start already. Okay. Uh, Seth, you're going to talk about Chris Jones. Uh, Nate, you're going to talk about. No, you're going to talk about Chris Jones. Oh, God. Oh, well, the play clock's down to three, two. Timeout. Timeout. We're out of timeouts. Ah, yes, dang coach. It. Coach, what's the dang play? It. Coach, what's the play? I thought we had more time. Welcome into Time Czars here on The Athletic. Joshua Briscoe, Nate Taylor, and Seth Kaiser. Is it totally unfair of me? To pick on the the underdog Dolphins for the intro of this show? Yeah, absolutely. They had Skylar Thompson and overachieved. But have I been thinking about every moment of their play clock since the, the second that game started until this moment now? Yes, I have. It's been weighing on me very heavily. And I think maybe this is the time on this edition of Times Ours that uh, we really figure out what it takes to, to have Patrick Mahomes just wave it in the play call 24-7 that still gives the Chiefs time to do a ring around the rosy before they actually get to the line of scrimmage. <laughs> Um, look, one of the best things about, uh, I guess, you know, a team being on a bye week while everybody else fights for inches, uh, (laughs) to advance through knees and backs and ankles, um, operation gotta be right, man. You gotta go through as many scenarios as you can. You know, this is where the CBA messes up teams because we only have so many hours of practice contractually um, if nobody reports it to the Players Association. So (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to name coaches right now, but I know who they are. Um, (laughs) I don't want to name coaches. (laughs) So, look, I learned a couple things, right? To your point, Josh, operation got to be clean. Hey, if it's a backup quarterback, everything's got to be really, really sound. Um, Because, like, it's great. You're on the plus side of the field, but, Coach, you're speeding up everybody because you ain't calling timeouts. And, Coach, everybody sped up because we ain't got no timeouts. And, Coach, um... I don't like this play. You like this play? Let's find a better play. Because guess what? We have timeouts. Um, It was a very fun weekend. I think I've said this like every season except for last season um, when the Chiefs didn't have the bye. Man, it's really nice to just sit on the couch for 11 hours watching mm-hmm. football. Oh, now I get it, guys. You guys have it <laughs> so much better. Uh, in, in a lot of ways, <laughs> but you know, obviously we enjoy the, uh, the reporting and obviously being there. Um, but man, it was nice to be on my couch and second guess everyone, uh, including that poor Ravens receiver who was thinking like, 
I mean, I'm here. I mean, I have to be here. The play kind of is designed for me to be here. Why is the ball fluttering to me? Why? Why? <laughs> um, and then the alligator armed it. I just felt <sighs> so bad. So bad. Um, and then, of course, it's like, do you go for two? Do you not? Um, you know, it was fun to explain to Holly that, yeah, uh, Asante Samuel Jr. had one of the greatest halves of football in postseason history. And then he was, um, and then he had the one of the worst halves of postseason football history. So it can change very, very quick. But yeah, fun, fun, fun games in the AOC in particular. Um, yeah. And I just think we've learned that uh, it 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 pays not having to go through that amount of grueling, yes. like emotional, physical drain of. All three of those games being close, and now all of those teams that won have to have to play again and do the same thing this week at an even higher stakes. Yeah, I think that's a great point. It was 11 points total for all of the AFC winners combined, and seven of those obviously came from the, the Bengals. So, Seth, how was your super <laughs> wildcard weekend? <laughs> I, um, I was sort of present throughout the wildcard weekend. I watched most of games... But at very crucial times, I decided, you know what? I don't get as much time with my family as I'd like. I'm going to step away. For sure. Just... Well, this this game's like, it's like 27 to nothing. You're good. Yeah. No, that really was it. And then I suddenly was like, hey, what? <laughs> <laughs> why? Why is that? Why? They're suddenly within two scores. And so I turned it on. And it was really cool. That game in particular, Chargers-Jags, which obviously is relevant to the Chiefs because the Jags are coming to Arrowhead. Um, like they did in week 10. And I actually, that's a game that I went to live. Um, it was Isabel's first. Uh, oh, I forgot yes. for that. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And so, um, so fun, fun times. You could feel the energy. I know that in the aggregate, momentum is not real. And momentum isn't dispositive either, even in the individual circumstance. But uh, how do I say this? Sphincter tightening is definitely <laughs> real. And the the Chargers, like just the energy you could see from them, it reminded me of when the Texans went up huge on the Chiefs, right? And they're just rocking and everything's working. And then the Chiefs score a touchdown and make one more play and score a touchdown. And suddenly a game that felt out of reach is now, oh, wait, it's only the second quarter? Yeah. And they're only two touchdowns away? Yeah. <laughs> And you can see them tightening it up and just like, and not in a good way. Tighten um, it up, we'll, fellas. Tighten yep, it up. Yep. Tighten it up, fellas. But no, it was just more like, oh, no, 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 no bad things. And I mean, it's almost, it's such a goofy thing because obviously rushing out to a big lead is the best case scenario, but you need to have someone at the helm who can just in those moments where things start to go wrong, say, hey, we're still fine. Let's just keep doing what got us there. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I just don't know if Brandon Staley is that guy because they just could not stay. I mean, you just felt it happening. I honestly, when the Jags got within two touchdowns, I was like, I think they're going to win. Yeah, I felt like, I think a lot of people felt that way. It felt like the Jags were coming back and they just got here. Uh, I have a I have a brief like uh, all connecting uh, head coaching take that I kind of want to run by you guys since we're here. Mm. You mentioned, I don't know that Staley's that guy. And then Mike McDaniel, for all of the things he's done well this year and for that team to be in the playoffs right now for everything, I, I remain a fan. 
But Mike McDaniel was not that guy for those 60 minutes because they had that one problem that basically started in the first drive and ended at the end of the game. And John Harbaugh had a total self-fumble in the fourth quarter of that game. They ended the game with a timeout in their pocket and playing yeah. some kind of desperate football and they didn't have to. Right. Here's my here's my two my two-pronged coaching take that I'm just kind of curious what what you guys think about. One is that not every head coach with one terrible stretch is a big dumb idiot that has to get fired because there are execution issues even among coaches, right? Like mm. we talk about players missing a play all the time. I bet that's the first time Mike McDaniel has been on a headset and had a first down called in his ear and then needed a fourth and short play with no timeouts late in a playoff game. In fact, I know that's the first time that's happened to him as a head coach. So part one is that I'm trying to be better about not firing a head coach for one bad sequence. Mm. And I'm trying to accept the idea that coach development is a real thing. You got to be able to find your Urban Meyer and potentially Nathaniel Hackett's and get them out quickly. But there is a developmental process to coaches even while they're in the job, certainly once they get their their second one. But I just, my, my attitude on the idea of like a retread head coach is changing and my ideas about how long it should take before an NFL head coach is really an NFL head coach are, are changing a little bit. And a, a lot of that was brought to light over the weekend. I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, I would say that um, the, the issues with Harbaugh and McDaniel are the fact that they're just operating with quarterbacks who just haven't done it all year. Yeah. In the most pressured, you know, high intense moments of the season. And it is, I think, um, it, you know, playoff football is is one of the most uh, really long. Like, you know, the games feel so long and the yeah. ebbs and flows can get like really um, elongated. And then, you know, sitting there watching with Holly, it's like, so the season's over. And it's like, yep season's over it, it 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 is the longest game of the season and the season is so quickly mm-hmm. um because those coaching staffs i felt did a great job of understanding who their opponent was obviously it was divisional uh rematches you know basically the the third chapter in each and so that lends to okay how can coaching um better accentuate get you in better advantageous positions to make the game closer than it would be otherwise, you know, obviously what the point spreads were for both games. Um, you know, it's clear that like these teams showed certain flaws in the team that is moving on. The issue is Harbaugh has done this a lot longer to your point, And McDaniel is just now doing it, but they basically all landed on the same issue, which is we've gotten over the plus side of the field with a backup quarterback or near the plus side of the field if you're Miami. Um, and and we just we just don't have enough reps with this quarterback. We just don't know what he's truly capable of and got to have at moments that are not controlled within the game flow based on our own schematic, you know, sort of coaching that we've done the week prior. Here's the issue with, with, with Brandon Staley. Um, he has a top 10 quarterback. Some could argue a top six probably as healthy as he's ever been all season mm-hmm. playing well. And yes, we already talked about uh, the inability to not have Mike Williams based on your own, you know, miss, you know, mishand- <sighs> mishandling of the situation, basically coaching mm-hmm. malpractice. Um, but no, your quarterback is, is able, he's healthy. Um, your defense really surprised the Jaguars in a way that gave them a clear advantage. It looked for two quarters, y'all, like Brandy Staley heard everybody 
and coached like his job depended on it. Yeah. First half and defensively was unreal. Unreal. And then and then they didn't I feel like do enough to trust their quarterback to make mm-hmm. more plays in the second half. Mm-hmm. And that goes to coaching inexperience in the biggest game of the season when as Seth said, everybody thinks they're getting tight, dog. Um yeah. So whose sphincter do I trust the most? Well, it's the one who's throwing the football. Um, <laughs> whose sphincter do I trust? Welcome the most? to Times Ours. Whose sphincter do I do trust, I trust the, most? the most? I mean, honestly, y'all, uh, that's that's kind of how championships are won. Is like, who do I yeah. trust? Who take me back to time where I have faith in this person's sphincter and athletic <laughs> abilities? Um, but yeah, but th- like they could not run the ball, which was insane to me. Because I thought their most important player, not named Justin Herbert, was, you know, Austin Eckler. He could not, they just could not run the ball. And so the game really got out of whack. And then all of a sudden, the coach who has been there multiple times, which should have Chiefs fans in a little trepidation. Like, one could argue that the Jaguars have the second best coach in the AFC playoffs remaining. Because Mm -hmm. he proved it in the second half. And when they got on a roll and when they figured out what the Chargers can and cannot do, um, there really wasn't a talent disparity between the between the teams. So then it goes back to all of a sudden the coaching on the other sideline is so much better because um, they just have more experience. And obviously um, they had plays for certain situations. And um, it's it's crazy to know that. Um, for all the things that I think John Harbaugh deserves a lot of credit for, it's going to take more and more time for people to realize that Doug Peterson knows what he's doing. Cause, yeah. cause urban Meyer y'all. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, Doug Peterson was fired out of Philly, but so was Andy Reid. Yeah. Exactly. And, and by, the way, so by, the guys, Chip Kelly. by the way, they were, yeah. they were, they were both right. Like yeah. each time, like it was, mm-hmm. it was the time totally to come. Up. It was, it was understandable. Yes. But both guys are are very good coaches, um, which that's it's an interesting thing because they're both so focused on the offensive side of the ball in terms of scheme stuff. I don't think this is necessarily like an Andy Reid versus Doug Peterson matchup, mm-hmm. um, you know, because they're both guys. Obviously, they set the tone. They're the leaders of the, you know, they that stuff matters, right? Leadership, teaching, all that stuff. But like schematically, it's not like Doug Peterson's in the defensive coordinator's room saying, you know what we ought to do against Andy. Like maybe he is. I'd be surprised. And Andy, well, Andy lets Steve Steve Spagnuolo coach the defense by and large. So it's not really a matchup between the two of them. But I do think you're right that Doug's probably the best coach left in the AFC right now. And... It was just interesting to me to watch. So what I've been I've been looking at the um the play just by so you play. Don't get tweets. You're saying Doug's probably the second best head coach in the AFC right now, right? Is that what you meant? In the AFC that's left. That isn't currently coaching the Kansas City Chiefs? Yes. I just wanted to help you out. Okay. Oh. Oh, I mean, sure. Thanks. I mean I mean I think most way, people got it by context clues, but I just yeah. wanted to make sure yeah. that you didn't open Twitter later and say, yeah. Well, you take Doug Peterson over right now. Hey, 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 no, hey, hey I Sean, would not. Hey, Sean McDermott. Get him to stop 
throwing interceptions to take the sacks. That's your job this Sean, week, son. Sean, yeah, Sean, come on, man. Come but, on, Sean. So I was looking at this, um, the the play-by-play of Chargers-Jags, and something that's interesting to me, because what a lot of people would say is, well, they should have run the ball more in the second half. No. But, man, you were right. They could, they they could, could not run the ball. They couldn't. By, they couldn't. By the way, by the way, this also explains that like Chiefs fans need to be thrilled. I know you have your own concerns about Orlando Brown. We're going to see, okay? We're going to see. Their offensive line is intact. And every other offensive line that lost like this past weekend is because their offensive line was not intact from obviously right. when the season started. And I think that was one of the reasons why when the Jaguars – one on first down, they could really, you know, pin their ears back. And, like, the, to your point, Seth, they couldn't run the ball because they couldn't create any lanes for Austin Eckler. But go, but go on. And that matters. Also, the Chargers, th- th- like, this could be, like, I know people have a problem with Andy Reid with the second half of the AC Championship last year. I kind of take exception to that. Honestly, I think Mahomes played badly. Some passes were dropped. Reid could have done some things differently. But overall... There was a lot of other stuff going on there. Here, this to me was like, I was almost like having like an Andy Reid appreciation moment watching the play calling and the, the the design of the offense with the Chargers. And I get it, you're missing Mike Williams. But I was sitting there, it's like, man, the Jags, you know, they, they try to win on first down. But almost every down, they were pinning their ears back and they were able to control the line of scrimmage because the Chargers offensive line isn't isn't terrific. So they weren't running the ball well, but they kind of abandoned the run. And here's the deal. Andy Reid abandons the run more than uh, most. <laughs> you can say he more also, than anybody. In yeah, the more than anybody. <laughs> but if you're going to be a guy who abandons the run, one way to get away with it is to have the most varied and diverse and long play sheet of pass plays in the league. You got passes to every inch of that field schemed up in there. And that's what he often does, right? Like um, when Mahomes was starting to, you know, have a little bit of a slump against the Seahawks, he dialed up some super easy throws. Hey, you're going to th- you're gonna snap the ball. You're going to turn to your left and you are going to throw it eight yards to Juju and we're going to get five yards and you can relax for a second. Like, just don't think, whatever. The Chargers don't have that. They they yes, abandoned the run. This, I'm jumping in here because we, we talked about Brandon Staley a few times, and if Joe Lombardi is still employed by the time anyone's hearing this podcast, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be really disappointed in some and, people. And, and also, that's and also it's it has been confirmed that Brandon Staley will be head coach of the Chargers next season. <laughs> what? And John Harbaugh staying at Michigan. That one. No way. Where it's been confirmed. Now here's the deal. I actually I I like Staley. Oh yeah. Oh right now that's being reported. Oh, like an hour ago. Okay. Here's the deal. One thing about Brandon Staley, he coaches the heck out of that defense overall. He does a good job against Mahomes. He's a good DC type guy. But their offense, so that means Lombardi's going to be gone. I mean, he found a scapegoat. Maybe maybe Mike McDaniels wants to go back to being an OC. Like, it just, no, I'm sorry. I feel bad. Mike's done a good job this year. But, it's interesting to see – I'm trying to think of a way to phrase this because this also folds into the conversation about Mike McDaniels and coaching overall in the playoffs. A big part of any job is experience, and almost the only way to get experience 
is to do something and kind of fail. Correct. And and you hope that your failure isn't dispositive, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, you, you learn what, I don't know, in my field, it's so boring. Like, you learn what motions you, f- you should file and when and what kind of arguments to make in front of judges versus what they tell you to do at law school. Like, you know, quote, unquote, my client should be released because he was on his way to a job interview when he got arrested. No one believes that. You don't say <laughs> that in real life. You learn that when a judge says, counsel, please approach. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but your clients lie to you sometimes, counsel. And, and you're like, okay, sorry, judge. Wait, what? Yeah, you yeah, said what? he lied to me behind my back? No, no, no. He wouldn't have told me that, judge. No. Yeah, His grandma died. Well, he said this last time he was here. And that was the third time he said but, it. But he didn't say it. He just said it to me. Yeah, Judge, yeah. Your honor, he just said it to me. So, so you learn through trial and error. Here's the problem. As an NFL head coach, there's so much you have to do, and trial and error is not really a thing in yeah. the NFL. And so, like, Mike McDaniels, he's done a great job building a really terrific offensive system around a couple of unique talents, a decent offensive line, and a good but limited quarterback. That's really impressive. But it's hard to be prepared for literally everything. And so I want everyone who's like judging him or Brandon Staley to imagine this. Someone kicks the door into your office and says, you've got 40 seconds to make a decision on what exactly to do about this problem or you're fired. Go now. now. Fourth and two, coach. Gotta have it. You've got 40 seconds. Go make a decision. You've got about 900 options. You got three guys screaming in your what the best play it. You know what I mean? Like coach, 12 personnel, coach, 12. 12, coach. And did and did McDaniels, I think what you saw there, and I could be wrong, you saw a guy who has been a coordinator, right? He's been a position coach. It, It just brings so much to the table. And what he trusted was his ability to pick the perfect play, which makes sense if you're an OC. As a head coach, you understand you have to have that play picked in advance. And you got to have a play at least. Yeah, a play. Any play is better than a delay of game. And obviously, he what he tried to do is he took what he is best at. And he tried to scheme them to a win. And dang it, he almost Almost did it. He almost did it. But the one thing he didn't account for was something that you maybe don't even realize until you're in the game and in the moment. And you ain't got a plan B. There is no plan B for me scheming us into this, but wait, that takes us an extra five to 10 seconds every snap. And sometimes that matters. And next time, maybe they'll hire an an additional assistant, you know, time clock control management guru and pay them $100,000 a year to make sure they never get another delay of game penalty. I don't know. I don't know how Andy Reid does it because he picks between a billion things. And there's also... It's called sequencing. And having done it, Again, for hundreds of games. Exactly. And there's an extra step in it. We, we saw that be a problem with Alex Smith it, it, for at least a little while. The idea yep. of like, hey, players are getting into like That's one of the reasons it's so frustrating. And and I think we know pretty clearly in, in Kansas City, that's going through at least two headsets before it gets into Patrick Mahomes' uh, you know, helmet speaker. So, right. And they still get it with time. And Mahomes is still over there doing the Spider-Man hands, trying to wave it in quicker. No, and that's, you know what? You make a really good, the Spider-Man that's what it is. It's a Spider-Man hands. He's no, like he shooting webs while time. he's waving in the play. But he, but I mean, you. If you, I was Andy Reid, that would annoy me, but I'm a smaller <laughs> man than Andy Reid. I think about that all the time, how annoying that would be. Come on. Like, he doesn't know. Hey, Patrick, he knows. I know, yeah, but. Yeah. 
Yeah, you know what? We're not going to call a play. We're just, <laughs> just although, you know, you know Mahomes is waiting for that. All right, y'all. 898, load it up. Yes, yeah, you're right. He is you're like, right. Hey, y'all y'all remember four verts? <laughs> <laughs> and McKinnon, you run one too, baby. Yeah, just yeah, keep yeah. go yeah, right down the field. An angle route? Did I ask no. you to run an angle route, Jarek? Five verts, Jarek. Five verts. Five verts. Motion out. All right, let's go. And, You're making a point, Seth. I'm sorry. I cut you off. <laughs> <by other hands. laughs> you make such a great point. So, Nate, you talk about sequencing. Yes. Andy Reid has learned. He's been a head coach since the mid-90s. He has... Remember all the jokes about the Andy Reid face in the playoffs and all these things? And, and people... You don't hear those jokes as much anymore. Now, part of that is Patrick Mahomes is incredible. That raises your margin for error. But even his clock management under Alex Smith, you could see improvements... And you know why? Because he's had 20 years to work on it. Yep. Because every single situation gets presented to you eventually. And you kind of know what you're going to do. It's that whole line when we were actually being semi-sincere one time. I don't remember when. Mm. And I commented on how some of the best advice I ever got was, you decide in advance who you are and mm. what you will do. That That's a decision you're making every day of your life in the event of an emergency is how you will handle that. You decide in advance. And... If you don't know what you might face, it's really hard to decide in advance. And it's hard to be an NFL head coach. And Staley thought he could trust his offense with a guy that he couldn't. Because Justin Herbert is a better quarterback than that offense is letting him be. Yes. And what can you do? And that's it's just hard to be a head coach. And imagine, again, someone kicks your door in, 40 seconds to get this right, the world's watching, everyone's screaming, you have a million things to worry about, call the right play. Um, with, with all that said, can I can I criticize a, a, a coach who's won a Super Bowl? Yeah, absolutely. I'd love it if you did. All right, all right, John Harbaugh. Look, man. <laughs> look, dog. You the head coach. Yep. Star quarterback got to be there. Mm. I'm sorry. Like I don't like. I'm gonna need to know all the excuses. Uh, because there's no reason why Lamar shouldn't be there for a playoff game. I. We all know he's hurt. We all know he's not available. I got to I got to get the, you got to get the quarterback on the sideline supporting cheering for his teammates. It's a team sport. Let's never forget that, y'all. Mm-hmm. It's a team sport. And then secondly, I mean, have y'all seen the JK Dobbins uh video? <laughs> I know. Mm-hmm. My man. Now he is the starting running back. Came back from injury. Player well. Hey, man, why don't we just hand the ball off to him three times? Yep. In, inside the five. You know, hey, I will. Here's another thing that, that I think we've learned. Um, and I'm going to give two examples. You know, this is something we also learned during wildcard weekend that may serve the Chiefs. It's about teammates doing something super duper impressive and nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> so that it sets up your other teammate to do something amazing and everybody care. The two examples from Wild Card Weekend that best, I think, illustrate this are Traverius Ward is in a one-on-one matchup with DK Metcalf, who has gotten him already in the game. And they just say, hey, look, we love the matchup. Let's give him a 50-50 ball, Gino. Gino throws an absolute gorgeous ball. Yep. And Traverius Ward fights like his life depends on it to get a little bit of a finger deflected on it. So instead of DK Metcalf catching a touchdown to have the Seahawks go up uh, yet again in the third quarter, guess what happens, y'all? Now it's third and whatever. 
They got to pass it. Joey, yo, excuse me, Nick Bosa knows that. All of a sudden, strips, sack. 49ers get the ball. Game is, a, is, is effectively over. Yep. But if Traverius Ward does not get that PBU in the end zone, that game really could go down to the very end. Because what you also noticed was, man, Pete Carroll, 71 years old, got them boys ready <laughs> when they are totally physically outmatched. Um, And then secondly, Von Bell. Uh, and I think this proves my point, ladies and gentlemen, that the Cincinnati Bengals, by the way, when they show all the PFF grades for whoever the player is at his position, I, I audibly laughed last night because it went, you know, Trey Hendrickson, FAU, and it went Sam Hubbard, I'm from Cincinnati, and it went to Jesse Bates. They put the franchise tag on me. Uh, Bob Bell, I'm good. And, like, none of them were in, like, the top ten of any position. But you know what? None of them were at the bottom half of their position. Those red chips, baby. They are some damn red chips, man. It is incredible. It's like, hey, I'm Jesse Bates. Number 12 at safety. You know, and it's like, hey, that's really good. But they give the ball to J.K. Dobbins. He is, you know, going through the hole. Von Bell stands him up at the one-yard line. Of course, we all know what happens later. At the one-and-a-half-yard line, poor Tyler Huntley tries. He's he not as tall and as lanky as, as, as Trevor Lawrence. And the ball gets popped Lawrence, out. Man. He's just like five inches shorter. Yeah, I, I get it's it, man. Just, it's tough out here. Again, like, again, like, how often do they even practice that play with Tyler Huntley? Something that I actually asked myself during the game. Like, man, how many times do they actually run that? Not in camp, but, like, even now, even walkthroughs. Like, how often do you just say, hey, just to remind you, quarterback sneak, you got to go forward, dog. We, like, I know you want to jump, and it looks cool. Um, and Trevor Lawrence just did it the night before. But as we're going through this walkthrough, just want to remind you, hey, man, just ball security. Of the highest order. And then, of course, Sam Hubbard gets the ball, runs however, what, 98 yards for the touchdown. But it only sets up, it is only set up by Von Bell making an absolute, you know, touchdown-saving tackle that, again, nobody remembers except for, like, you know, lunatics like me. <laughs> <laughs> Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Uh, I have one more coaching observation that vaguely involves the Chiefs and then we can actually talk about some of the, the Chiefs stuff you guys have written about and we'll obviously, Thursday's episode is going to be about the Chiefs and Jags, but we got kind of a variety opportunity because we all got to watch non-Chiefs games this week. It's kind of fun. Um, I wanted to ask you guys about Brian Dable and his coaching staff in general. One, because Daniel Jones looked pretty good out there, and he's played good enough football to get them in the playoffs, but he was, like, pretty good against the Vikings. And then overall, he was the Giants are just he was definitely the best quarterback in that game. No <laughs> question. Um, Seth, I don't know if you've got some weeping and gnashing of teeth from the Minnesotans around you. That just hit me now that this might be uh, this might be a problem. But I am just so intrigued about the fact that Brian Dable got that job from coaching Josh Allen into a totally different version of the quarterback than he was before. He gets this job. He hires Mike Kafka out of the Andy Reid system. He lets Mike Kafka call plays. He hires Wink Martindale, who has a whole brand behind him at this point. I know him by his hat, his chain, and how much he blitzes. Like, that is that is the DC that he brought in. And it just kind of lets, it kind of seems like he let them do their thing and this might involve Staley and McDaniel and Harbaugh. And kind of, Harbaugh would be a weird example, I guess, but Staley and McDaniel for sure. Of like, is this an example of the power of a coach who's willing to delegate and to make themselves the head coach and not the head coach slash OC or whatever? Not that you yep. couldn't succeed in a number of ways because Andy Reid's, Andy Reid doesn't have that play sheet for no reason. I think we've established that at some point over the last 20 years or so, but I'm just fascinated by it. I'm not saying it's like the only way teams should be doing it going forward. But I just found it super intriguing. And I guess, Seth, you ought to go first just in case. Um, is Minnesota still, like, okay as a state? Mm. They knew. Um, you want to you, you you know how damaged Vikings fans are? So I went, to a, I went to church last night because, like a true zealot, I go to Sunday night church. That's, by the way, in case those who don't go to church are wondering, that's how you separate the zealots from the rest. Sunday morning... Normal Wednesday night, eh. Sunday night. It's like, what is wrong with you, man? Like, so I went to church because, you know, I went to church yeah. and I had, I had the chief, I had the Vikings game playing on Hulu on my phone, with the volume down. My wife let me, there were two massive Vikings fans attending that service. They weren't praying hard enough, huh? That's well, and here's the funny thing is. And afterwards, I walked up to them because I knew what had happened. Because, you know, I had it sitting there 
watching with the volume off. Um, <laughs> sorry, Pastor Josh, if you're listening. Uh, it was a, it was a message. I, I, I knew, I knew where I landed on it. It's probably fine. Anyway, <laughs> hold on, hold on, Seth. You probably can rationalize your way out of most sermons with that one. That's right there. <laughs> that was a yeah. powerful card you just played. Yeah, I have yeah, my I mind know, made actually, up. No. I can watch football on my phone. Is a very powerful get out of hell free card. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, my, my theology is not strong in this episode. <laughs> so I, w- I go up to them afterwards. You all should have heard Seth's theology before this episode started. Uh, yeah, it used to be, it was, it was, it's even shakier. So I, I go up to them and I was like, hey, uh, we'll call them both Jim. Hey, Jim, I, I'm, I'm surprised to hear you. See you here, man. What's going on? And, and they both looked at me and said, I, I, I know what's, I, I know what's going on. Oh, and they were absolutely oh. right. And it's just so, I just, I told both of them, look, you don't have to don't. live like this. Come be a cheese fan. My oldest sister, Sarah has converted from a Vikings fan to a cheese fan. So now all the Kaiser siblings, me, Hope and Sarah, we are all cheese fans. And Sarah, it, it took some doing. And she's like, it's just so much more fun to be a Chiefs fan. <laughs> and it is. I'm sure. You get to watch Patrick Mahomes. And hey, you know what? Shout out to Kirk Cousins. He had Dexter Lawrence trying to eat him. What are you going to do? Get the ball out and hope something good happens. I'd argue get it out beyond the sticks. Yep. But I get it. And he never. And by the way, Kirk Cousins, who has shown actual growth, it's just, have you seen the Vikings defense? Um, yeah, well, when he was getting killed. Like normally that's kind of an excuse, you know, but that dude hung in there and made some throws while getting demolished. <laughs> like oh, they could not block that. Could not block. Could Ooh, not. Man, that dude, by the way, holy smokes. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, uh, so that's how damaged that fan base is. And I know that's a very segued note. God, that used Kurt to Cousins. be you, Chiefs fans. Because <sighs> it's not anymore. Because watching Patrick Mahomes, when the Chiefs lose to this day, I'm genuinely surprised. I'm like, oh, well, wait. So it's over? Like yeah. the, ga- the game goes, ended? It goes quick. It's just, it's so weird. And so I, I just, yeah, no, Minnesota fans are damaged. And I'm telling you, all Vikings fans, 50 years is, is, is enough. What's well, longer than 50 years for you? It's okay. No one's going to judge you. I, there's a few fan bases that I think no one would judge for jumping ship. Right? The Browns. The Vikings. Anyone going to judge? I'd give guys? it the Texans. I love the Texans out. The Texans fancy to hit the transfer portal. I can't believe what yeah. they did to them. Yeah, Even the when Texans, it was being the worst team in football, it wasn't bad enough. Yeah, the yeah. Texans right now, for sure. I think the, maybe every season there should be like three teams where you've got a transfer portal allowed. Yeah, I'm I'm but, good with that. But yeah, it's no, that was brutal. Um, man, that was so rough. Kirk and Cousins it, threw 47 percent of his yards to T.J. Hawkinson. Yep. Yeah. yeah, that's and and look, Adam Thielen, not who he used to be anymore. It's it's unfortunate. And, um, you know, Wink was able to blitz and still cover Justin Jefferson. It's impressive. Wink, man. Wink. Wink. Take those notes if they have to play the Bengals again, because blitz and cover the number one is something I'd be very curious about. Yeah. Not that the I mean, the depth of the Bengals. I don't want to talk about the Bengals. The Bengals are still <laughs> a game away. They're really two games hey. away. I don't know if it's going to be them or not. Look. I mean, to be honest, um, all I would tell, like, again, Sean, all you got to do is tell this man, we the home team, we got all the emotion, 
stop taking sacks or at least limit some sacks because obviously we know your offensive line is a little bit tatters. Stop throwing picks and hit a check down. Um, yeah. hit a check down, son. Um, you are so talented. And he the the throw he threw to Dawson Knox, who made an incredible one handed catch. Oh, the highs cannot be higher today. <laughs> but also, why are you throwing it to him in the white jersey? Why? Why? Why are you doing that? <laughs> why? why are you doing that? Uh, so Sean, if you if you if you could just get the quarterback to have the highs and a better flow. Um, I don't know if Jamar Chase can be an alien because uh he ran eleven stick routes yesterday, guys. That was that was that that was the entire office was hey man, Marcus Peterson and Marlon Humphrey are good. You want to run another eight yard stick? Yep, let's get eight yards. Yep. Interesting. He ran eleven, you said? Eleven, dog. They ran eleven stick routes with this man, cause unfortunately. Uh, the Bengals had their third offensive lineman go down yesterday, mm-hmm. and so which is huge. Uh, and, and look, uh, man, we were we were one we were possibly one hail mary, one not fumbled uh, quarterback sneak, and maybe one two point conversion game from the Chiefs having to play four former Chiefs of Demarcus Robinson, Sammy yeah. Watkins, Justin Houston, and Marcus Peters. I just, I, I do have to say, like, the Bengals, it's, once you get to the playoffs, it's interesting how matchup dependent everything is. Yes. Because the, yeah. ba- so, the Ravens cover the middle of the field really well. And guess where Joe Burrow likes to pick on? So, it's kind of one of those things where I think that this version of the Ravens without Lamar Jackson, I think the Chiefs beat them by three touchdowns. Mm-hmm. But... The Bengals, they just, they're, they're, they, matchups are so funny to me. Like, you see, like, just all the problems that they gave them with what they specifically want to do. Now, it also doesn't help that the Bengals' offensive line is somehow once again back to, um, well, Josh, you, you, they put you in at the end of the fourth, right? Was, was yeah, was that- and I'm still, I am still pretty banged up, but I, <laughs> I felt like I did what I could. You know, I, I got in the way of some dudes, and uh, I don't think Joe Burrow got killed. Yo, Jamar Chase never ran a route past 20 yards last night. <laughs> Dog! And he, ran a, he was, but he was targeted on six of 11 hitch routes, Josh. He ran 11 <laughs> hitch routes. Yeah. He the it's- best player on the planet at his position. <laughs> and that includes Justin Jefferson's kids. But come on! Ooh. I will. I will. I, I'm sorry, y'all. I've seen. I've seen too much. <laughs> I've seen it in person. He's so good. No, he's Justin so Jefferson good. is amazing. We really shouldn't be splitting hairs. Obviously, they're all pros. Um, I don't think. Well, actually, you know, because of the injury this year, Jamar Chase wasn't an all pro, but he had all pro talent. But yeah, he ran one yard, or excuse me, he ran one route, twenty yards of depth on the field. Yes, playoff football is so fun. I need you to send me. I'm trying now, now. I'm just scrambling around for this for the where you're pulling all this from. I need to see it. This is nuts. You just yeah. Here you go. Here you go. Oh, here I got. Uh, is it the, the next gen stats? Yes. Yeah. In here. Okay, I got it now. Hey man. Hey man. You ready to run it? Hey dog. Dude, it's five. You looking run at his route tree is <laughs> you gross. Wanna, you want to run another hitch? <laughs> they, now listen. They let Demarcus Robinson run a double move. My route. You know, this oh. is the, the interesting thing. With uh, with the Bengals, now they and again, this is all situational, right? Because now they face the Bills, and their offensive line is in tatters. But the Bills don't have Von Miller anymore. Correct. Yep. 
And, yep. and their pass rush isn't bad. It's 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 I, it might even be above average, but it's certainly not like the pass rush when they played Kansas City earlier this year, mm. when Miller largely took over several drives. And so because it's just such an interesting thing to me, how week in and week out, like, how are you going to adjust that? Because if you if you try to, you know, you can't just go to the Super Bowl running stick. <laughs> no, you can't. 50 times a game. No, you can't. Well, maybe with him you can. Yeah, yeah, maybe with Jamar. Maybe it's like the Travis Kelsey concept. Well, we can run. Look, if the Chiefs can run 30 choice routes a game to Travis Kelsey. <laughs> hey, hey. Josh, he still had 84 yards on nine receptions. All those sticks. It, it's because he can run a stick, and then the next three dudes are going to bounce off him. He'll right. pick up about 12 more yards, and someone will push him out of bounds. That feels like that's just the only – I don't. I still to this day don't think I've seen anybody just square up with Jamar Chase, wrap him up, and, and take and him down. tackle him, happen. right. It, yeah. So Jerry's seen him out of that at once, but I don't remember it if he did. Uh, also, this is how you know we're in like January and postseason times our podcast – Guys, the Buffalo Bills' best pass rusher might be Matt Milano. Yeah. <laughs> it's me, we're back. We're back. Travis Kelsey Matt Kelsey stopper. Matt Milano, Hall of Famer, had two sacks. Hey, three quarterback hits. He was getting production yesterday on Skyler Thompson. <laughs> well, and that's that's the thing. Are they I mean they're not they're not gonna try to blitz the bejesus out of Joe Burrow? I would advise them not to. Yeah, <laughs> I would advise them too. <laughs> and I no, it's I, I'm just so interested. There's so many cool matchups in the AFC. I, yeah, so I got a question real quick that you are probably the most equipped to answer, Nate. That just sort of hit me. You say like we're doing the matchup stuff because it's January, but this is what it's actually like in the building on a weekly basis, right? To huh. some extent, at least. Yeah, to to some extent, but you're not you're not putting every emphasis in it, right? There's things that sure. you want to get to. There's guys you need to like. You know, um, hey, if we like this matchup this week, we'll we'll use that player maybe more than we would use them over the course of the entire season. I mean, one of the things that was so evident, I mean, okay, if the Chargers want to listen to me, it's right now, guys. It is so evident that when you watch, well, we all watched Saturday, and I kind of went back and watched a little bit yesterday of the Chargers-Jaguars. And then what I watched today, and again, as Seth said on Twitter, it was not it was not Thanksgiving yet. It was not real football. But you know, the tape don't lie about speed, man. Mm-hmm. It is so obvious that the one thing the Chargers lack for a quarterback who has a similar skill set to Josh Allen, to Patrick Mahomes, is somebody who can run a deep route and get open, man. Like... We got we got the route god in in Keenan Allen and no yak elsewhere zero yak. Um, that was also another thing too. Like they couldn't, the Chargers could not complete a short pass into the open space and feel confident that hey we're gonna get like five extra yards out of this. You know whether it's a screen route, whether it's a swing route, whether it's a in cut. You know hell. Um, can Keenan Allen run 11 stick routes and get 90 yards? They didn't even want to try it. Um, so it is so clear that the thing that the Jaguars struggle with is misdirection and speed. And that is a principle of the Chiefs offense. Mm-hmm. And that was a game that didn't involve uh, McCole Hartman, who might be back. 
or you know who is assumed to be back. Obviously, we'll have more for that on Thursday show when we have the full pack. By the way, with them playing on Saturday, we'll have the full pack practice report basically on our Thursday show because um, they won't practice Friday for obvious reasons. Um, do you want to know a mind-boggling stat, fellas? That Always. that I that I have lined up here. Are you ready for this, Seth? Yes, because this is me writing for the Chiefs to like actually do it. Like, hey guys, if I do, if I know this, I know y'all know this. Um, this is per um, the NFL's next gen stats system. Do you know, guys, that this season the Chiefs have not ran a single play, not one play on offense. With the personnel group of Kadarius Toney, McCole Hardman, Travis Kelsey, and Juju Smith-Schuster. Huh. And if and if you want to go a little bit crazier, put out five wides of Tony, Hardman, Kelsey, Smith-Schuster, and MVS. They have ran zero plays of that personnel groups all season. Good luck, Jacksonville. Good luck. Uh, I'll I'll take this from your timeline also here, Seth, just that we talked about before here and kind of your take on the Jags again the first time through. And I really do want to let you guys talk about the defensive line. That wasn't just a bit at the beginning. I've just been distracted by 45 fun minutes talking about wildcard weekend with my friends. Uh, but I, uh, I, I like the tweet that you mentioned to us before the show from uh, Nick Shayon on Twitter saying the uh, the Chiefs averaged 7.8 yards per play in that game, gave up an onside kick, were negative three in turnovers, and were up 17 late in the fourth. Um, and you pointed out that the Jags have gotten better since then, obviously, yes. but we don't know how much the better the Chiefs are going to look than they did that first time through when you you called it a B minus or C plus day at the office for the Chiefs. And that would be at best. I mean, you really uh, so I mean, uh, well, first, if I'm recalling, didn't the Chiefs win the toss and they accidentally was it Legereus Sneed? Holy cow, is that that game? Yeah. Yes, yes. Where they elected to receive. Was that when they elected to kick? No, they, no, no, they, no, they, they won the toss and elected to receive. And, and did receive, like, okay. And Coach was like, wait, what? We don't do this. What? That's not what we do here. And yeah, then Tobe was like, all right, fellas. Pump, yep. Kick off for 13. Get out there. Well, that's an unfortunate <laughs> thing, but one thing we know for sure is we're getting the ball. The ball. <laughs> and, then, and then they onside kicked it and recovered it. Which Easily. is hilarious. Easily. And you know what? Hey, good for that. Doug P, right? It's like, yeah. hey, that was, to me, that was a, okay, you guys are two or three years ahead of us in what we're trying to do. You're a better team. You've been doing this longer. I'm going to grab every edge I can. It's time to get funky. Let's <laughs> <laughs> hear that playing in Doug Peterson's headphones the whole time. Absolutely. As it should be for virtually everyone who's wearing everyone headphones. Everyone all the time. Um, <laughs> yeah, everyone's always happier when the cha-cha slide is on. So, they, so that happened. And again, they did have three turnovers. And they were goofy turnovers. It was, it was a weird game, shockingly. And they still, the Chiefs did have a 17-point lead in the fourth when Jacksonville, because it was after a pick, Jacksonville scored and they were within 10. And I was like, ah, it's closer than I'd like, but there's like eight minutes left in the fourth and they were fine. And that really is like, can you really call a day where you give up an onside kick right away? So basically a turnover to start yeah. the day. Mm-hmm. And then you lose the turnover battle minus three. Is that even a, can you even call that a B minus day? Mm. I maybe, yeah. 
Yeah. But and, and they still won pretty handily. So it'll be interesting to see because again, Jacksonville's improved over the course of the year. But I'm curious what that pass rush looks like against a um how do I say this? A a NFL offense. <laughs> and I and look, that's not a that's not a shot at Justin Herbert, who's I he I might take him second in my quarterback draft. Like you're gonna get contracts, you're gonna get tweets. I want you to know you're gonna get tweets. I know it, it, I don't, be between, I'm not saying it, you're dumb. I'm saying you're going to get tweets. Yeah, it would be it would be between him, Allen, and Burrow. That's your. That's got to be right. That's there's, yeah. There's not another guy for that group yet, right? Not, not to me. Hurts. What about, what about Brock Purdy? All right, fine. Okay. Purdy's fourth. Well, I did group. see him compared on Twitter to, um, to Tom Brady. So who he gonna play next week? Some, yeah, someone someone oh. tweeted out, you know, I, I saw a team respond to a guy like this back in 2001, and then yeah. Danny Kelly with the ringer tweeted, I also saw 12 guys respond to a young man from Nazareth 2,000 years, <laughs> years ago. That was my favorite tweet of the week. That weekend, was I such think. a great so tweet. Um, standing ovation. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, it was 11 technically. The, the last <laughs> one kind of went, went the wrong way. But well, still. I didn't say, didn't say 12 the, stuck with the, them. At the start. At the yeah, start. Yeah. <laughs> They're 12 at the time. Hey, Nobody hey. starts off a Judas, you know? Yeah. Anyway. But look, Joey Bosa didn't get ejected, but he left the game. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> if it's not Judas Bosa. <laughs> Man, I, I will say just, I, I know we want to talk about normal stuff, but the unintentional I want to let you guys comedy, talk about the defensive line, but you're holding me back now. So you, The that's unintentional comedy of Brandon Staley handing Bosa back his helmet and then slamming it down. Hey, dog, get your head back in the game. Okay. Whoa. Okay. It's like, okay, buddy. So, again, all right, so we're just going to do this vacuum from here. All right, cool, 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 cool. All right, just hey, man, why don't, you, why don't you just go sit over there real quick? <laughs> so, <laughs> I, 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 will, I will get us on track. Like you Please. To do. Well, but before you do, Seth. <laughs> oh, my God. This, this stems from the Playoff X Factor series on the Chief in the North newsletter, oh, mnchiefsfan.substack.com. And in this case, Seth, We've talked about Chris Jones many a time. I would like for Nate to talk about Chris Jones as the show wraps up here, but sometime before the show wraps up in the next 10 minutes or so today. But you have written, what's this? About pass rushers on the Chiefs who aren't Chris Jones? Tell me more. I, you know, on, uh, I, I, man, man, I fumbled that. That was, uh, that was rough. Well, do it again, Statue of Liberty. Nate, you wrote about Chris Jones. (laughs) That seeded his time. Um, go ahead, Seth. Yes, <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. So, um, I, I'm writing out playoff X factors. And I wrote about Karloftis, Mike Dana, and complimentary pass rush. We talked about the uh, Tony and Pacheco a little bit last week without you. Yep. Yep. And Tony and Pacheco are great guys to talk about because guess who they didn't have last year in the playoffs? Well, a lot of their weapons, honestly. They didn't have Juju. They didn't have MVS. They didn't have Tony Justin and Watson. But Tony and Pacheco, I think, are game changers. Why Dana and Karloftis matter you can just turn on the Raiders game, which was maybe the most complete game they played all year in which they showed that when they play a complete game, man, the Raiders cannot handle them. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing about pass rush, and I've tried to think of like the most succinct way of phrasing this. One superstar does not make a pass rush because they win 25% to 33% of the time, approximately. And even when they do win, it's just one guy getting pressure, a good quarterback, can, you know, account for that, can maybe get out of the way, he'll have other places to run, he can step up in the pocket, blah, blah, blah. Having other guys get pressure, it upticks the frequency of pressure and the intensity of pressure. 
And that's why it's an exponential improvement. And that's why for the Chiefs, if they, if they will get some pressure with Chris Jones, it will happen. That's, and everyone well, would want the Bengals game. Go turn on the film. It happened at times. Not as much as I would have liked or Chris Jones would have liked, but it still happened, but it wasn't nearly as much and it wasn't as intense as you want. Their ability to do it consistently against good teams, even teams with bad offensive lines like the Bengals have right now, for example. Um, and the, the Bills have struggled at times to protect Josh Allen. You need other guys to get home. And my favorite example, and this is the first video clip in this article, is Chris Jones makes a great play, beats the right guard of the Raiders, who, man, could not block him. Um, but Stidham starts to try to step up, but he can't because Karloftis has managed to push Colton Miller into the backfield yep. and win inside, and there's nowhere to step up. And that's complementary pressure. It turns complementary pass rush, turns pressure into sacks or, or slow, slight pressure into hits or no pressure into pressure. Everything gets a little bit better, a little bit faster. And that's why you need, as great as Chris Jones is, they need Mike Dana. They need George Karloftis. They need all of these guys, Frank Clark, Carlos Dunlap, to step up. Oh, just a little fun fact that I learned after writing the article. Carlos Dunlap is tied for the league lead in batted passes this year among non-secondary or coverage backer players. Mm -hmm. He has eight. Yep. You know how many Karloftis has? Seven. Between the two of them, they've knocked down as many passes as a really, really, really good corner. Hmm. And that matters. Like which, that's, which, remember, a, a knockdown which, pass kills a play. Yeah, which protects a very young secondary led by uh, checks notes three rookie cornerbacks, <laughs> mm -hmm. and that's and and an old timer third year player Lacherius Sneed. Yeah, yeah who is excellent, but yes, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And so the that complimentary pass rush, the Chiefs have done a really good job this year, and Joe Colon deserves a ton of credit. A lot of guys are having career years, and Karloftis being a useful player already, yeah, that's awesome. They have beaten up on bad competition and at times struggled against good competition to be consistent. And if they get, are going to get consistent pressure, and that's what you need to affect great quarterbacks. Great quarterbacks, occasional pressure does nothing, you know, other than that one play, right? Great quarterbacks, you need to get in their face all game, the entire time. And that's where they need these other guys. And so I wrote a lot about, you know, the different ways that they win and kind of expanding on the topic to demonstrate how pressure from one area and winning in one area kind of flows into the next area. So those are, those are the guys I'm watching against the Jags because Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack did not get much pressure on Trevor Lawrence. More pressure on the officials. Um, mm. with, with that in mind, Nate, on theathletic.com, written by the uh, absolutely incomparable Nathaniel Taylor, you wrote about Chris Jones and the Chiefs pass rush coming together around him, Nate. Uh, I don't know if you guys were like, you know, texting notes back and forth, but it really worked out conveniently for us getting our agenda on the same page. We, we've talked a lot about Chris Jones, uh, which I'm happy to always do a little bit more of, but Throughout this story and, and all of the uh, the other members of this D-line, Nate, how, how have you seen all that come together kind of through the lens of, of what Seth's laying out here now with that Raiders game kind of feeling like a bit of an achievement in terms of what they can what they can do as one unit? Right. And and this is something that I think will help them having the bye week, right? You know, watching all these matchups in particular now, you're going to look at a Jacksonville Jaguars offensive line that they actually sort of dominated in the first matchup. Um 
when you go back and you study the tape, and look, Colin Saunders had a sack in that game. Chris Jones was was obviously evident. Um, Carlos Dunlap, you know, he had the ability to get around the edge a few times um, to make life difficult for for Trevor Lawrence. So um, this is something where, you know, it's like, which one do you choose? Which I thought was really interesting from like, obviously the offseason and what the team wanted to do. They obviously put a lot of emphasis on the secondary. Um, but also they really decided that like we need um Joe Cullen as Seth Mitchens to get the most out of the guys, and it can't just be sacks. And you know, as much as a sack is helpful to the defense, it doesn't always necessarily end drives. Obviously, when Chris Jones does it, um Seth is led to believe that that this is uh this is why he is excellent, which is true. But not only do the Chiefs lead the league in batted passes with 29, um, they also forced the quarterback to throw the ball away, which is obviously an incompletion, um, not even attempting to throw the ball to a receiver, which again protects a younger, newer secondary, um, unlike last year where they were just letting people go uh, freely, nearly downfield. All this is to say is, when you look at Saturday's game between the Chiefs and the Jaguars, the, the the three stats to really keep in mind are sacks, batted passes, and passes where the quarterback has to throw the ball away to prevent himself from being sacked or taking a quarterback hit. And basically, one thing that actually astonished me when I went through all this is that the Chiefs lead the league when you combine all those plays together. When you combine sacks, throwaways, and batted balls, that is 112 plays this season where the offense gained no yards. And the Dallas Cowboys were second in the league with 105. We have yet to see them play against a pretty interesting Tampa Bay offensive line, which now has their center coming back from IR, who did not play the entire season, um, with Tom Brady, who gets the ball out super-duper quick. Um, But that is really for something that everybody can watch that can be translated to if they beat Jacksonville, what happens in the AFC championship game. Cause they didn't get a ton of pressure on Josh Allen and they got virtually minuscule pressure against Joe Burrow. Mm-hmm. But if they get a good combination of sacks, throwaways and pass breakups, the defense will be functional enough to support the offense toward victory. Um, and so I think what me and Seth are trying to, get at and i know you agree with this josh is yes sacks are super duper nice but when you look at the whole picture are you doing enough to influence the quarterback to not be at his absolute best they did that at times against jacksonville in the first matchup they can they have the potential to do it again with an even better carl loftus because obviously that was in the middle of the season not towards the end where he's gone on this sack streak and yeah their offensive line is fine it's not excellent, but it's fine. And so the Chiefs need to show that they can do this, not just to the Raiders, but that they can do it again a second time to the Jaguars. As it make you feel, Seth, anything to, to bounce back there before we get out of here? I feel like Nate summed it up beautifully. Okay, and... then I have an actual question. I have an actual question for you guys then, and then we'll get out of here. How do you actually feel about the Chiefs' pass rush going forward through the playoffs? You've given me the story. Mm-hmm. You've given me the payoff against the Raiders. I love the combined stats of, of just like zero or negative yard plays, essentially counting the throwaways. I love it. How do you two feel with what you know about this pass rush 
How do you feel like it's going to perform in the playoffs? And then we'll get out of here. I'll go first because Nate's a thoughtful guy. Yep. I'm, I'm, too. I'm cautiously optimistic. Cautiously I, optimistic. They, they look like they've maybe turned a corner, but I felt that way a few times this season. So that's why it's a very cautious optimism. Yeah, asking a lot from a rookie in the postseason mm-hmm. is asking yes. a lot. <laughs> so this leads me back to someone that we haven't mentioned yet, guys. Anybody want to take a guess? There is a guy who I do believe has performed quite well in the playoffs before and has this season enjoyed a little bit of a reinvigoration of his career, not to an elite player, but to a useful one. Mm-hmm. And if I were guessing, I would say that that man is Carlos Dunlap. <sighs> Josh. <laughs> Derek Naughty. I got you. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. Let's go home. Let's go home. We play Dine Dine Put in Delano, Roosevelt Clark. Frank uh, Clark. Frank Clark, this is it. This is apparently this his is... first name isn't actually Franklin. I was really confident it would at least be Franklin. Yeah. Frank, Frank Dominic Clark. Uh, this is it. I know more like Frank Dominic Clark. There it is. Boom. Woo! I just want to remind people: Frank Clark did something that Derek Thomas didn't do. Frank Clark also did something that Neil Smith didn't hadn't done. I know that sounds wild to say, y'all. He did something that Justin Houston and Tom Bahali didn't do. Play with Patrick Mahomes. Also. <laughs> God, you're so good at this. <laughs> anyway, he had <laughs> Frank Clark did something that had not been done since the likes of Bobby Bell. Okay. If 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 this is this is the moment. This is wildly the moment for him and Chris Jones. And they have to lead this pass rush in a way that they did in 2019. Now it can be slightly different because both players are at a different stage in their careers. But this is it. Um, and I think both of them know that. So just just keep that in mind. I think we saved the best for last, which is Frank Clark. Also playing with Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> but hey, play the game, you know? but hey, Joe Montana never played with Frank Clark. <laughs> Alex Smith That's never it. played with Frank Clark. That's the show. Steve Bono <laughs> never played with Frank Clark. And neither did Damon Hewitt. I am perfectly happy for the last words of this episode to be Damon Hewitt. 